The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 through 7. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the window are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust turns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Carol. Good evening. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Park. I'm going to welcome you. <laughs> I'm going to welcome you to our uh, evening Ash Wednesday uh, service. Would you please pray with me? Uh, Lord, this is a, a sobering evening. We remember. Uh, tonight, what uh, each one of our sins cost. That it um, leads to the, the decline and the decay of our bodies and our eventual death. I pray, Lord, that um, you would help us to consider that tonight with, with the foundation that your death extinguishes the ultimate pangs of our death. I pray with that foundation, would we be able to look at what this text says and take a look at our own life and uh, see how death, our death, can shape how we want to live. Lord, if I say something this evening that um, I shouldn't say or uh, that, that, that isn't beneficial, would you call it would you cause it just to fall by the wayside? Lord, if, if there's something that needs to pierce the heart tonight uh, through uh, your word, this preaching, would you let it pierce the heart tonight? That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by an old man, a man likely nearing death, titling himself the preacher. The preacher of Ecclesiastes, time and again in his book, asks the reader to consider the decay of their body and their death. But the preacher does this while entreating the reader to consider how they are currently living in light of that inevitable death. And we get... Such a pleading here at the beginning of chapter 12 of his book. Let's take a look at verse 1 again. 
preacher writes, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The preacher is saying, remember God in your youth because evil days are nearing. The steep decline of your body and your death is coming. Youth here in this verse means all of the days from birth leading up to your eventual decline and your death. For some, those days of youth are cut very short and the decline of the body is very quick. And for others, that runway is much longer and the evil days stretch out and they die at an old, old age. And in verse two, we get the imagery of the cosmos. Let's read that. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. The preacher is doing at least two things here. First, sin affects more than just humans. All of creation is subjected to futility and groans under the effects of sin. And secondly, the preacher is connecting his argument from verse 1 to verse 3. In his book, Living Life Backward, author David Gibson asks that we consider the imagery in verse 2 of darkness and gathering clouds. Note the intensity of the picture, all the light givers, sun, moon, and stars go dark. And the rain does not give way to daylight, but only to threatening clouds. As Derek Kidner says, it is a scene to bring home to us the general desolations of old age. And then the preacher, starting in verse 3, begins to list out the general desolations of old age. Verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. The keepers of the house tremble. Those are your hands and your arms. What once were strong parts of your body will become weak and they will tremble. And the strong men are bent. That's your legs. What once held you up, what once carried you around to the places that you wanted to go, those will become tired and they will become feeble. And the grinders cease because they are few. Anybody want to say yes? Teeth. The grinders cease because they are few. Old age often brings teeth falling out. And the windows. The windows are dimmed. That's our eyes. If blindness hasn't been forced on us at an early age, it will as we decline and it certainly will 
at our death. I'm personally reminded of this as this past year, when I went to the eye doctor, I had to get new contact lenses to correct an astigmatism in both eyes. It's crazy how a, a trip to the eye doctor will show you that the evil days are looming in your own life. Verse four, and the doors are shut, uh, and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. The doors on the street are shut. It is through our ears that we hear the sounds of life and eventually those doors will completely shut. And the sound of grinding is low. Well, if the teeth are few in old age, then the sound of grinding is low. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. One Bible commentator states on that, on that portion of this verse, old people rise up at the voice of the bird. They have no sound sleep as young people have, but a little thing disturbs them, even the chirping of a bird. They cannot rest for coughing and therefore rise up at the cock crowing as soon as anybody is stirring. Or they are apt to be jealous and timorous and full of care, which breaks their sleep and makes them rise early. Or they are apt to be superstitious and rise up as in a fright at those voices of birds as of ravens or screech owls, which soothsayers call ominous. And all, of the and all of the daughters of song are brought low. As our ears and our voice fades, we lose the ability to take pleasure in what we once thought was a beautiful song. Verse five, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails. The almond tree blossoms our hair, which turns white, gives us a physical reminder that the days in which we will not take pleasure are coming. If I let my own hair grow out just a little bit, it's probably actually long enough now. Or if I slow down long enough to take a close look at my beard, I can see my own almond tree blossoming at 41. Again, a reminder, those evil days are not so far away. And the grasshopper drags itself along. Our body, which was once strong, which was once agile, hopping around from this place to that and taking us where we wanted to go, will eventually lose steam. And it will be as if we are a grasshopper just dragging ourselves across the face of the earth. And desire will fail. How many of us have been around a grandparent or a parent or a spouse or a good friend whose body was broken by old age, riddled with disease, and they declared to us that they were too tired to carry on? All of this downward decline and decay is leading and pointing to the inevitability laid out 
at the end of verse 5 through verse 7. Let's take a look at those. Man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Most of the things that the preacher has been writing about up to this point have been about the decline of the body, enter death onto the stage. The silver cord that's been holding the hanging lamp snaps. The golden bowl and the pitcher, which at one point held the water of life, are broken and shattered. And the wheel at the well, which at one point brought up the water of life, is no longer operating. This is our reality. This awaits every single one of us in this room. Why should you care? Why should you pause to consider death, and in particular, your own death? In our church body, we have people all over the life spectrum. Some in our body are already experiencing their desire failing. And your body is like a grasshopper dragging itself across the face of the earth. The the days of your youth are leaving you. And some are very young. We have some young ones in here. Much of your strength much of your life ahead of you, and yet, yet, the days of your youth are dwindling. Why does the preacher ask us at the beginning of this chapter to remember our Creator and to consider the end of life in our youth? Again, David Gibson articulates it well in his book. The preacher's realism about being an old person leads him to issue commands to a young person. The coming failing of my body should inform the present working of my body. My certain death must invigorate my current life. Putting one foot in the grave is the way to plant the other on the path of life. Many of us, if not all of us to some degree, are living as if death isn't in the cards for us. We live as if we will live long enough that we can change someday down the line. We live as if we do not need to change the fabric of who we are at a heart level because we can always do that at a later time in life. We live in the here and now many of us, as if we don't have to bow the knee to God and remember him in our youth. And we, we perpetuate the lie that the serpent perpetrated in the garden. You will not surely die. So we put off. We put off allowing our relationship with the Lord to change us at the deepest levels of our thought, our desire, and our action. 
Listen to me now. None of us is guaranteed to see February 27th, 2020. None of us is guaranteed to see March. None guaranteed to see 2021. None guaranteed to see 2022 or 90 years of your life. If there are things in your life right now that you feel the Lord pressing on your heart to change, to say, son, daughter, that, that, I'd like to change that because that doesn't reflect me accurately. That's not what I'm calling you to. Please allow him to change it. Seek it. Pursue it. Don't put it off for another time. To live like that is to live as if God isn't real. To live as if his words and his decrees don't matter. To live as if his presence in our lives doesn't change us. And that isn't really living. We're simply trying to stave off death because we haven't lived as if he was real and as if we didn't really have to obey him. That isn't truly living as a human. And that isn't joy, real joy. Joy that would sustain your soul during the, the toughest and the deepest times of suffering. I plead with you as, as one who loves you, as one who cares for you, no matter where you are in the days of your youth, do not put this off for another time. Do not put off considering your own death and your life in light of that death until its doorstep, because it'll probably be too late. It'll probably be too late at that point. To steal David Gibson's line, let your certain death invigorate your current life. Let the, let the coming failing of your body inform the present working of that same body. And remember, you live your life before the face of God, whom the preacher declares at the end of Ecclesiastes will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, which at times is extremely challenging, calls us to do some things we'd rather not do and think about some things that we would rather not think about. I pray, God, that you would use it, though, to, to shape us into a people who are okay. We're all right staring death in the face, knowing that it's coming because we have a foundation in you. We know what our Lord Jesus has done for us and our foundation is rock solid. So we can face death and allow it to teach us in the now. We can allow it to, to shape who we are, how we talk, how we treat people, what we proclaim and what we live for right now. So Lord, shape us into those people who reflect you to those around us better. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're like me, I assume you are to some degree,
But if you're like me, I don't spend much time reflecting on uh, these things. So I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. But one of the things we'd like to do now is, while we have you here, to just slow down and take a few minutes and ask you to reflect upon these things. Consider at some point, sooner, later, that breath of life will be taken for you and to the dust you're gonna return. How do you wanna live in light of that? How do you wanna reflect him better now in light of that? What are areas of your life you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, son or daughter, I'd love to work on this part right now. So take the next few minutes, prayerfully consider that.